Chapter 10 of The Last Battle Who Will Go Into the Stable? Jill felt something tickling her ear. It was Jewel the Unicorn, whispering to her with the wide whisper of a horse's mouth. As soon as she heard what he was saying, she nodded and tiptoed back to where Puzzle was standing. Quickly and quietly, she cut the last cords that bound the lion's skin to him. It wouldn't do for him to be caught with that on after what the ape said. She would like to have hidden the skin somewhere very far away, but it was too heavy. The best she could do was to kick it, kick it in among the thickest bushes. Then she made signs to Puzzle to follow her, and they were both joined by the others. The ape was speaking again. After the horrid thing like that, Aslan. Tashlin is angrier than ever. He says he's been a great deal too good to you, coming out every night to be looked at. See, he's not coming out anymore. Howls and mewings and squeals and grunts were the animals' answers to this. But suddenly, a quite different voice broke through with a loud laugh. <laughs> Hark what the monkey says, it shouted. We know why he isn't going to bring his precious Aslan out. I'll tell you why. Because he hasn't got him. He never had anything except an old donkey with a lion skin on its back. Now he's lost that and he doesn't know what to do. Tyrion could not see the faces on the other side of the fire very well, but he guessed this was Griffel, the chief dwarf, and he was quite certain of it when, a second later, all the dwarves' voices joined in singing. Don't know what to do, don't know what to do. Silence, thundered Rashada Tarpan. Silence, children of mud. Listen to me. You other Narians, lest I give command to my warriors to fall upon you with the edge of the sword. The Lord Shift has already told you of that wicked donkey. Do you think because of him there is no real Tashlin in the stable? Do you? Beware. No, no, shouted most of the crowd. But the dwarfs said, that's right, Darkie, you've got it. Come on, monkey, show us what's in the stable. Seeing is believing. When next there was a moment's quiet, the ape said, you dwarves think you're very clever, don't you? But not so fast. I never said you couldn't see Tashlin. Anyone who likes can see him. The whole assembly became silent. Then after another minute, the bear began in a slow and puzzled voice. I don't quite understand all this, it grumbled. I thought you said... You thought, repeated the ape, as if anyone could call what goes on in your head thinking. Listen, you others. Anyone can see Tashlin, but he's not coming out. 
You have to go in and see him. Oh, thank you, thank you, said a dozen voices. That's what we wanted. We wanted to go in and see him face to face. And now he'll be kind, and it will be as it used to be. And the birds chattered, and the dogs barked excitedly. Then suddenly there was a great stirring and a noise of creatures rising to their feet. And in a second, the whole lot of them would have been rushing forward, trying to crowd into the stable door altogether. But the ape shouted, get back, quiet, not so fast. The beasts stomped, many of them with paw in the air, many with tails wagging, and all of them with heads on one side. I thought you said, began the bear, but shift interrupted. Anyone can go in, he said. But one at a time. Who will go first? He didn't say he was feeling very kind. He's been licking his lips a lot since he swallowed up the wicked king the other night. He's been growling a good deal this morning. I wouldn't much like to go into the stable myself tonight. But just as you please, who would like to go in first? Don't blame me if he swallows you whole or blasts you into a cinder with the mere terror of his eyes. That's your affair. Now then, who's first? What about you, dwarves? Dilly, dilly, come, and he killed, sneered Griffel. How do we know what you've got in there? Ho, 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 cried the ape. So you're beginning to think... There's something, eh? Well, all you beasts were making noise enough a minute ago. Who struck you all dumb? Who is going first? But the beasts all stood, looking at one another, and began backing away from the stable. Very few tail tails were wagging now. The ape waddled to and fro, jeering at them. Ho, ho, ho! He would chuckle. I thought you were so eager to see Tashlin face to face. Changed your mind, eh? Tyrion bent his head to hear something that Jill was trying to whisper in his ear. What do you think is really inside the stable? She said. Who knows, said Tyrion. Two Kalormans with drawn swords? As likely as not. One on each side of the door? You don't think, said Jill, that it might be, you know, that horrid thing we saw? Tash himself, whispered Tyrion. There's no knowing. But courage, child, we are all between the paws of the true Aslan. And then the most surprising thing happened. Ginger the cat said in a cool, clear voice, not at all as if he was excited, I'll go in, if you like. Every creature turned and fixed its eyes on the cat. Mark their subtleties, sire, said Poggin to the king. This cursed cat is in the plot and in the very center of it. Whatever is in the stable will not hurt him, I'll be bound. Then Ginger will come out again and say that he has seen some wonder. But Tyrion was had no time to answer him. 
The ape was calling the cat to come forward. Ho, 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 said the ab. So you, little ginger, you would look upon him face to face. Come on, then. I'll open the door for you. Don't blame me if he scares the whiskers off your face. That's your affair. And the cat got up and came out of its place in the crowd, walking primly and daintily with its tail in the air, not one hair on its sleek coat out of place. It came on till it passed the fire and was so close that Tyrion, from where he stood with his shoulder against the end wall of the stable, could look right into its face. But its green eyes never blinked. Cool as a cucumber, muttered Eustace. It knows it has nothing to fear. The ape chuckled and, making faces, shuffled across beside the cat, put up his paw, drew the bolt, and opened the door. Tyrion thought he could hear the cat purring as it walked into the doorway. <coughs> the most horrible caterwaul! You've ever heard and made you jump. You have been wakened yourself by cats quarreling. You know the sound. This was worse. The ape was knocked head over heel by Ginger coming out of the stable at top speed. And if you had not known he was a cat, you might have thought he was a ginger-colored streak of lightning. He shot across the open grass back into the crowd. No one wants to meet a cat in that state. You could see animals getting out of his way left and right. He dashed up a tree, whisked around, and hung his head down. His tail was bristled out till it was nearly as thick as his whole body. His eyes were like saucers of green fire. Along his back, every single hair stood on end. I'd give my beard, whispered Poggin to know whether that brute is, the, is only acting or whether it has really found something in there that frightened it. Peace, friend, said Tyrion. For the captain and the ape were also whispering, and he wanted to hear what they said. He did not succeed except that he heard the apes once more whimpering, My head! My head! But he got the idea that those two were almost as puzzled by the cat's behavior as himself. Now, Ginger, said the captain, enough of that noise. Tell them what you saw. Ow, 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 screamed the cat. Art thou not a talking beast? Hold thy devilish noise and talk. What followed was rather horrible. Tyrion felt quite certain, and so did the others, that the cat was trying to say something. But nothing came out of his mouth except the ordinary, ugly cat noises that you might hear from an angry, frightened cat in the backyard of England. And the longer he caterwauled, the less like a talking beast he looked. Uneasy whimperings and little sharp squeals broke out among the other animals. Look, said the voice of the bear, it can't talk. It's forgotten how to talk. It's gone back to being a dumb beast. Look at its face. Everyone saw that this was true. 
And then the greatest terror of all fell upon those Narnians. For every one of them had been taught, when only a chick or a puppy or a cub, how Aslan, at the beginning of the world, had turned the beasts of Narnia into talking beasts and warned them that if they weren't good, they might one day be turned back again and be like the poor, witless animals one meets in other countries. And now it is coming on us, they moaned. Mercy, mercy, wailed the beast. Spare us, Lord Shift. Stand between us and Aslan. You must always go in and speak to him for us. We daren't, we daren't. Ginger disappeared further up into the tree, and no one ever saw him again. Tyrion stood with his hand on his sword hilt and his head bowed. It was dazed. He was dazed with the horrors of the night. Sometimes he thought it would be best to draw his sword at once and rush upon the Kalormans. The next moment he thought it would be better to wait and see what new turn affairs might take. And now a new turn came. My father! came a clear, ringing voice from the left of the crowd. Tyrion knew at once that it was one of the Kalormans speaking, for in this Tistrock's army, the common soldiers called the officers my master, but the officers called their senior officers my father. Jill and Eustace didn't know this, but after looking this way and that, they saw the speaker, for of course people at the sides of the crowd were easier to see than people in the middle, where the glare of the fire made all beyond it look rather black. He was young and tall and slender, and even rather beautiful in a dark, haughty, Kalorman way. My father, he said to the captain, I desire to go in. Peace, Emmeth, said the captain. Who called thee to counsel? Does it become a boy to speak? My father, said Emmeth, truly, I am younger than thou, yet I am of the blood of the Tarkans, even as thou art, and I also am the servant of Tash. Therefore, silence, said Rashada Tarkin. Am I not thy captain? Thou hast nothing to do with this stable. It is for the Narnians. Nay, my father, answered Emmeth. Thou hast said that their Aslan and our Tash are one. And if that is the truth, then Tash himself is in yonder. How then sayest thou that I have nothing to do with him? For gladly I would die a thousand deaths if I might look once on the face of Tash. Thou art a fool and understandest nothing, said Rashada Tarkan. These be high matters. Emmeth's face grew sterner. Is it then not true that Tash and Aslan are one? Or has the ape lied to us? Of course they're all one, said the ape. Swear it, ape, said Emmeth. Oh dear, whimpered Shift. I wish you'd all stop bothering me. My head aches. Yes, yes, I swear it. Then my father, said Emmeth. I am utterly determined to go in. Fool, began Rashada Tarkin. But at once the dwarfs began shouting, Come along, darky. Why don't you let him in? Why do you let the Narnians in and keep your own people out? What have you got in there that you don't want your own men to meet? 
Tyrion and his friends could only see the back of Rashada Tarkin, so they never knew what his face looked like as he shrugged his shoulders and said, Bear witness all that I am guiltless of this young fool's blood. Get in there, rash boy, and make haste. Then, just as Ginger had done, Emmeth came, walking forward into the open strip of grass between the bonfire and the stable. His eyes were shining, his face very solemn. His hand was on his sword hilt, and he carried his head high. Jill felt like crying when she looked at his face, and Jill whispered into the king's ear, By the lion's mane, I almost love this young warrior. Kalorman though he be, he is worthy of a better god than Tash. I do wish we knew what was really inside there, said Eustace. Emmeth opened the door and went in, into the black mouth of the stable. He closed the door behind him. Only a few minutes passed, and it seemed longer before the door opened again. A figure in Kalorman armor reeled out, fell on its back, and lay still. The door closed behind it. The captain leaped toward it and bent down to stare into his face. He gave a start of surprise. Then he recovered himself and turned to the crowd, crying out, The rash boy has had his will. He has looked on Tash and is dead. Take warning, all of you. We will, we will, said the poor beasts. But Tyrion and his friends stared first at the dead Kalorman and then at one another, for they, being so close, could see what the crowd, being further off, could not see. This dead man was not Emmeth. He had quite a different look. He was older and thicker and not so tall with a big beard. Ho, oh, chuckled the ape. Any more? Anyone else want to go in? Well, as you're all shy, I'll choose the next. You, you boar. On, come on in. Drive him up, Kalormans. He shall see Tashlin face to face. Ooh, ooh, grunted the boar, rising heavily to his feet. Come on, then. Try my tusks. When Tyrion saw that brave beast getting ready to fight for its life and Kalorman soldiers being beginning to close in on him with their drawn scimitars and no one going to help him, something seemed to burst inside him. He no longer cared if this was the best moment to interfere or not. Swords out, he whispered to the others, arrow on string, follow. Next moment, the astonished Narnians saw seven figures leap forth in front of the stable, four of them in shining mail. The king's sword flashed in the firelight as he waved it above his head and cried in a great voice, Here I stand, Tyrion of Narnia, in Aslan's name, to prove with my body that Tash is a foul fiend, the ape, a manifold traitor, and these Kalormans worthy of death. To my side, all true Narnians, would you wait till your new masters have killed you all one by one? <laughs>